chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love, rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome into the Ohio Enquirer podcast, Jeremy Warner, and we will catch up with Brad Evans from the Gaming Juice to talk about his bracket big board, Illinois basketball, their seeding possibilities in the NCAA tournament, break down some of the bracket stuff as well. But Joey Wagner going to start off with me here. We're going to go through five or six pack of questions like we do during the football season, Joey. Kind of hodgepodge of things, but you were just over in Indianapolis for the scouting combine to see Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph. Keith is going through workouts as we are recording this right now. Just set the scene. What's it like uh, as a media member at you know that podium days at, at scouting combine? Well, first off, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to yell just to prepare the listener for Brad Evans or if I want to keep it calm <laughs> and really... He really does a... test my levels here. I have to make sure my <laughs> levels are a little low when he comes on. I'm just messing around with Brad. Brad Brad's really good, but uh, he, he does bring an energy that I'm not sure I'm going to be matching on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, but the, the Combine's cool. There's, obviously, today, Thursday's the first day of drill, so we go over there, and it's just... It's just podium sessions and it's basically six or seven at a time and in different timelines and look they do medical right before that so you can sit around waiting for a while for some of these guys not necessarily because something's come up because it gets backed up in there and it's, it, it can be kind of a I say a long day you're just waiting to talk to people it's an easy day but the schedule's a little bit uh you know fluctuates a little bit and some of it's a hodgepodge right like Johnny Newton was asked about his name why, why he goes by Johnny and not Jerzon he was asked about growing up and you know tampa st pete and then it's just and i get it right like every reporter there has a job to do so it's have you met with insert team insert <laughs> how many team. did you get with those guys how many of those the job keith was mostly just illinois media because he was kind of stuck in a delay that i don't think it was related to him but he was just stuck kind of behind there so he got up there a little late so it's mostly just people who have regularly covered keith johnny was a lot i would put johnny near like six or so and finally some guy i didn't catch his name and i told him thanks he goes who have you met with let's just go there <laughs> and honestly with that like i just assume someone like johnny newton is going to meet with 32 teams correct and, and you know if not just say hey i met with 28 or whatever and then you have the formal versus informal so if it's yes then the follow-up is, was it formal i don't know what that means <laughs> i don't know i'm just trying to learn more about wearing tuxedos <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just trying to learn more about his foot and, and how this all came about. But look, it's a really cool thing. There's a lot of people there and it's a lot of attention. The Combine's a big deal. It's a job interview. It's a huge job. I mean, let's say it's the biggest, but it's up there, right? Yeah. I mean, because most of these guys, aren't Illinois at least, aren't going to participate at next week's Pro Day. Yeah. Like, this is their chance to put their numbers out there unless they're not very good and they'll probably participate. Uh, but it, it's a cool thing, man. It's a really cool thing. Like, you know, told them yesterday keith randolph right you're standing there talking to this guy at a podium at the nfl combine 
2019, I talked to him at Carver Arena as a recruit, having like it's just it's so cool to see these guys go from yeah. 17, 18 year old kid, Jeremy. I know you know someone like Isaiah Williams. You've covered since he was 16, yeah. or you know now you see them in this setting. So it's really cool to watch that all come together. Yeah, and I will say. They're at number four now. Keith Randolph is twenty, so we're just going to cut in when, when twenty happens. Right. We're going to we're going to um, report what he runs to. So we'll, yeah. we'll be chatting by then, I'm sure. Like I know we didn't get to know Devin as well, uh, just because he wasn't as outspoken with us, even though he's really outspoken with everybody else. Uh, but to see him get drafted, I'm sure in person was really cool for me. Being around the Browns and, and that draft day, we're hoping to do something similar with some of these guys this year. Like Tip Ryman's a hell of a story. We'll get into him. Isaiah, I've covered for so long. Uh, but all of these guys, man, like to see their dreams come true. Casey Washington, like might have a chance to get drafted. I never thought that was going to be the case for Casey Washington. Joey Wagner did first training camp. That was your guy. And then I didn't for like <laughs> two or three years or four years. And, and really, Jeremy, we didn't until maybe like the last week of November this year. Yes. Right? Yes. We're just running away from Northwestern guys. Like where what did this where did this come from um so you know it's it's so much fun because you do like we try to get to know these guys as people so that fans can know them as people and you get to know the people around them and uh, this is just the coolest thing in the world like this is what they've dreamed of this is their biggest opportunity it's their biggest job interviews uh and in two months these guys are going to have nfl contracts so it's it's awesome to see so let's dive into yeah go ahead i asked keith yesterday what was kind of your whoa moment like he gave such a good quote i encourage people to read his words and what he told us at alignionquire.com but so what was your moment that you're like oh like this is because he talked about being there with isaiah his roommate one of his best friends and johnny we all know their connection he goes He's like, dude, I'm going to be in Madden. He said, I walked in. They did like a 360 of me. He said, I'm trying to like, and he kind of like buffed up a little bit. He's like, I'm trying to look good because I'm going to be in a video game. And you think, well, you would have been in a video game <laughs> if you right. came back another year. But it's like, that's, I grew up playing Madden. I, I don't know if you did, Jeremy. I, and you, you know what? He's not going to care if he's like, He's not going to care if he's like a 58 overall or a 63. Oh, no. Uh, we've met Keith. I would have to imagine he's going to care if he's a 58 overall. But it's just so cool. Like, that's yeah. such a game of so many people. Like, my youth, and obviously, it's like, these kids play that. It's, it's cool to hear him say, like, dude, I'm going to be a Madden. Like, yeah, yeah that, that's really cool. Man, I, I'd kill to be a 58 overall. And <laughs> I feel pretty good about it if I'm in the game. Uh, that's all I care about. All right, let's start these six-pack questions, Joey. Number one. Who has the most to gain among the record six Illini at the NFL Combine? I'm kind of caught. I'm going to say Tip Ryman. I, I am because I think he's going to test well. I think there's kind of a feeling among people I talk to over there that he's going to test well. He's a big guy, 6'4", 6'5", 270. You know, I'm curious what he'll measure in at on Friday. But I, I think he's a guy who maybe we slept on, and when he declared, we thought, eh, Really? You're going to do that? And it may have been a little closer to him coming back, I think. that I know Illinois put up a pretty good fight with yeah. him to try to get him to come back. But he was set on this. I know, Jeremy, you talked to us about it. You wrote about it. I just think he's a guy who we didn't think maybe was going to be drafted. And I, he's starting to get a little bit more buzz here um, as this process goes on. So I think he could be a guy who solidifies himself as a no-doubt draft pick this week. Yeah, there's certain guys like – I don't know if Johnny Newton, even if he went through these drills, like the tape doesn't lie. I know Isaiah Williams, like what his speed is, is going to be really interesting because he could get caught from behind at times, but his quickness, his ability to get open, 
Like, that's all on tape. I think he's going to get drafted. Uh, Isaiah Adams, I know he had to move to right tackle, but that tape from 2022 doesn't lie. Scouts don't care. Scouts Scout, don't yeah, care. and he moved to tackle, showing some versatility, sacrifice for the team. I think he's going to be a mid-round pick. Uh, so those guys, I don't know if they have a ton to gain, even though those guys will interview really well, so I think they'll all do well. I think it's the guys whose production wasn't great, and, and I, I include Keith Randolph in that. I think there's a big scouting combine for Keith Randolph to show one day's healthy. Uh, I, I feel bad for him that you know, he came back to improve his draft stock, and he probably really didn't because of an injury. Um, he was still productive tackles-wise. He was still an integral part to, to being a stout defensive lineman last year. He just wasn't as explosive with that ankle injury and didn't make as many big plays. That I think that was his next step. So I think he's going to be a stout rotational guy. I think he can be that in the NFL. Can he be more than that? I think it's important for him in these drills to show that. And you and I know he's a good athlete, but it just it didn't show on film because of that injury this year. So I think he's got a lot to gain because right now he's kind of projected as a late day three pick. I think he'll get picked, but uh, you'd like to go a little higher than that. And I, I agree with you, it's Tip Ryman. Because the production receptions-wise wasn't there, partly because he had to stay in the block to help his tackles. Um, but when he did get opportunities this year to catch the ball, I kept telling you in the press box, like, I'd like to see him get a little more targets. Like We talked about it throughout the year. I'd like to see him get a few more targets. Uh, but when he got the opportunities, he made the most of them, I thought, this year. Unlike the year prior where he had some drops, he wasn't able to haul some in. Uh, I think he really improved. And just the word I'm getting from scouts is that he's going to test really well. Um, so if he does that and, and he shows some – I don't think he's ever going to be like the strongest pass catcher, but if he can show he can be a solid checkdown guy, you know he's going to be a devastating blocker. It's 6'5", 270, looks like Ivan Drago. And you know, you just know you're going to get the most out of Tip Ryman. You know, there's some other players that have come through here that maybe didn't go get drafted or get to the NFL like we thought. Tip Ryman, you know, you're going to get the most out of. He's married, veteran, mature, all those things. Uh, so I, I think an NFL team, especially, I think you talked about to Dane Brugler about this from the Athletic. You got a piece coming out. Day three of the draft is is pretty weak this year. So for guys like Julian Pearl and, and Tip Ryman, that that could potentially really help them here. It's funny you say that you know you're going to get the most out of him, and I'm not going to spoil the entire Dane Brugler story, which will be out Friday morning uh, on Illini Inquirer. But he said, he said, you know there's still, uh, I'm paraphrasing, and the exact quote's going to be in the story, he said, you know there's still more there, and you can't say that for everybody in the draft. And, and he mentioned his story, and his coming in as a walk-on, and working his way into this, and the locker room guy. I'm going to level with you, when Brett Bielema said, do you remember there's a, Postseason press conference. It's not like there's been many of them. Um, maybe the second one. He, yeah, I know. Whatever. He said, uh, you know, scouts asked me about Tip Ryman. He said, I, I think Tip Ryman's a guy who's going to keep kind of building that buzz. And he was right. Like, I, I don't think he's going to move up past day three. I don't think it's going to be early day three. But he seems like he could maybe climb into that upper sixth, late fifth round. That might be a high ceiling. But I think he's. I, I think those testing numbers are going to be pretty good. I'm really eager to see those. And it's kind of a, it's a weak tight end class at the top. Now I've heard there's a little bit of depth, and Tip is 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 a part of that on day three. But at worst, put that guy in special teams and let him be the 12 personnel blocker. Like, there's use for a guy like that uh, in the NFL, even if it's on a practice squad, or whatever it is. All right, number two, does Johnny Newton still go in the first round? Some don't have him there. Anymore, Mel Kuyper Jr., the godfather of mock drafts, does not have Johnny Newton in the first round. I believe Daniel Jeremiah does not have Johnny Newton in the first round. So what do you think, Joey? I don't think the foot injury is that big of a deal. 
I, I think there's so much production there. And, can and if can we say this for a second? Sorry to interrupt. No, that no. guy played with a Jones fracture for the final half of the season. And, and for st- people who don't know, that's like a pinky toe area yeah. uh, injury, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like, and I get it. Like, I've had, you know, toe that really, really hurt, but, and he was still ridiculously good. Had no idea. None of us had any, <laughs> like, you know, occasionally we'll see these guys. Never saw him in a boot in, in any capacity or a meaningful limp, nothing. Like, that was, that was impressive. So I, I don't think that's going to really be something that, that hurts him. I think, you know, look, if a team is like set in stone on their measurables, and they don't feel like they want to have like they want to deviate from that. That's going to hurt him because he's not going to. And I'm sure I'll see you scan your computer, probably pulling up his measurables now. Um, but like that's that's probably the biggest knock on him. And, and again, I, I talked to Dave Brewer. I'm not going to continue to spoil the story. It's going to be in there. But like, I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think he's going to be mocked in, in the first round, probably through April. But I think he's going to have that pro. It's my read on it, Jeremy. I think it's going to be a guy that maybe is mocked pretty consistently in that early second, that 33 to 37 range. I, I and think then he's, he's going to run. I think he's going to run at that pro day and he's going to vault back into that first round. I think he's going to end up in the first round. It's a long way to say that, but might not be like mocked there until later after he gets in that pro day. Yeah, height 6'1 and 5 ace, weight 304, arms 32 uh, and a third, hand 9.5 inches, wingspan almost 76 inches length is not his strength but like byron murphy is his competition is is a three tech byron murphy has a little bit bigger of a wingspan about 77 inches his arms are the exact same his hands are a little bit bigger but he's seven pounds less and an inch and a half shorter um so if those two those two are your three techniques it's which flavor do you like which player do you like a little bit more but those guys are so desired those three techniques, those pass rushers like Johnny Newton and Byron Murphy, those are the guys that are going to go high. And it's not a great defensive tackle draft. Um, I think he's going to go pick 20 through 40. So whether that's first round or, or not, like um, there's here's the thing. He's a 4-3 defensive tackle, three technique. So I, I do think – I know he played a bunch of different positions at Illinois, but NFL teams, it's probably going to be a 4-3 team that takes him so uh it'll be interesting to see who, who wants him i know cincinnati is kind of a name that, that gets linked to him houston's been mentioned but i caught up with espn's matt miller last week and, and he said i still got a first round grade on him um so i think if he doesn't go first round he's going very early in the second round and i think a team would be very very happy to get him and he's still going to get a lot of money on his first deal i but that top 10 talk I, that's not going to happen no, not, not that, in this that's strong and here's the thing. I talked to Piper about this yesterday on the radio. There's a financial implication, right, to not being in the top 10. There, there certainly is. And you make a lot of money as a top 10 pick. But you also, you know, I saw a mock that still had him in the first round to the Bengals. And then there was one to the Chiefs. Hey, that's a pretty good place to find yourself, right, if you're Johnny Newton to be on on one of those teams. So, again, I think, I think that pro day is going to be really big for him to show that he's healthy and, and that – can match the production and i think that's going to ultimately vault him back real quick keith randolph 5.16 in his first 40 yard dash run Solid. i actually saw johnny newton was all crouched down over there on the sideline watching him johnny's not going through any workouts obviously as, we, as we've talked about with the foot but yeah i i'm with you I, I i think he's going to ultimately be a first round draft pick i just think it's going to be clear later in the process seattle is a name we a team that's talked about <laughs> talking with them and, and the opportunity to pair back up with Devin Witherspoon and 
Certainly that would be intriguing for him and a good fit for him. Uh, another team that would be interesting to me is, is Buffalo because um, they had Ed Oliver, a similar kind of player. Um, that, that I think, about them. Yeah, so I think that could be a team that's interesting. Lante's Arizona Cardinals uh, at 27 could use somebody like that. Uh, Jacksonville, I see, has gotten a couple mocks. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to go to a good team. So I, I think that's a good thing. Uh, for Johnny Newton here. All right, number three. By the way, five one six, pretty solid for Keith Randolph uh, on a forty yard dash. The ten yard split's probably more important than anything for those defensive that linemen. One point nine seven, I think, if okay. I'm not mistaken, on him. I don't think that's great, but uh, he, he's a decent athlete. Like that's not that's not a bad time. Number three, which Illini currently on the team will be the best prospects for the 2025 NFL draft, Joey? Johnny Newton was asked about this yesterday Ooh. in the hodgepodge of questions. He mentioned Zy Chrysler and Pat Bryant. Um, I think it's Seth Coleman. Uh, I, I, Dane Brugler talked a little bit to me about Seth Coleman and just kind of a guy, is he strong enough to set the edge, stop the run? I think there's Pat, the pass rush skill he has, the quickness he has, the length he has, that's all very evident. I think, and you and I have talked about this, so I'm really interested. I, I think our answer on Seth is going to be pretty similar. Uh, but I, I think he is number one for me. And then yes. a guy... We haven't seen him play at Illinois yet, but I think J.C. Davis is going to be in that conversation as well. Yeah, I think the guys with the highest floors for sure are Seth Coleman, and I would put Pat Bryant because I, I think he could be a number one Big Ten wideout. Um, Speed-wise, is he is he good enough to get like the second or third round? I don't know, but uh, I think he's got the size, the athleticism, um, and the competitiveness, and, and is a blocker too. Uh, to, to be an NFL wide receiver potential day three pick. J.C. Davis is a guy that, whether it's tackle or guard, I think could be an NFL prospect. PFF had him like top 300 before he committed to Illinois in this draft class. But, yeah, Seth Coleman, man, like if you get consistency and you have an eight or nine sack season, there's no reason. Like he's got all the tools. Um, he's so long. He's got great burst. He can bend. Uh, he can hold up against the run, as you said. Uh, and, and I think – he can drop back a little bit, but he's more of a true defensive end in my book. Another guy I would throw out there is, is Gabe Backus. I don't know if he's he's quite that level where he's an early entry as a true junior, but uh, he, he's a very, very talented player that probably stays on the edge, given that they've added Dennis Briggs, Anthony Johnson, um, and Anetchi Sledge, but... He's, he's still a guy with a really high ceiling that I'm sure NFL teams will be looking at uh, in depth next year. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I know you and I have speculated and we'll continue to, to wonder if he's going to move inside. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that he's dropped down a few pounds come spring ball. I don't, you know, I think he's a guy who likes the opportunity to play on the edge. And I, like, he was productive as, as a freshman. I think he got too big. I'll be curious if he would agree with that as a sophomore. Yeah. But I, I think he's a guy who, like, he's had that production before. He's strong. He's big. If he can maybe lean out a little bit, if he's going to stay there, there could still be an opportunity to pair him with Seth Coleman, and those two could be pretty solid there. What do you, Good, really. What do you make of Johnny saying Zy Chrysler? Zylan Chrysler, as he said. The tools it, are there. The, that's the right. That's right. It's. There. I just I need to see some more consistency before I, I would jump on board with saying that and I don't when I say that that probably goes in line with keeping him a right guard yes right like if you're going to see that consistency that's probably at right guard but he's a big guy he's for his size he, he moves okay and I just I, seeing him at tackle I think really 
it's just kind of left a taste if you watch it. Like, I, I don't know. And because he played better at guard when he moved back to that right guard spot. I would like to see him stay there and see them figure out something different at right tackle this year. But you like him. Mean, he's strong. He's big. He's powerful. Like, those are things that play. And, you know, another year, this would be a third year yeah. as a starter in the Big Ten. I, I think you could see some improvement there if they stay keep him at right guard and if it goes to right tackle then I, I just throw my I don't know like I, I don't know what that would look like I'm not saying it wouldn't be good I just don't know that I could say comfortably what I think it would look like I'm trying to think if there's like a Casey Washington in this group is like a sleeper yeah. I, or Chip sh- Ryman as a sleeper yeah should we throw Luke Altmaier in that mix I would throw Cole Ruskin in that mix that, that was one I was thinking of um, because he was an FCS All-American last year different kind of tight end than tip ryman right there's there's a pass okay. catcher um kind of more that h guy than a y guy xavier scott he's going to be a true junior here I, I don't know if he's the caliber that he'd be an early entry but he's a guy that i think eventually can get some some nfl looks is kind of that slot because they're looking for those slot corners man yeah he again like i, I struggle to think there's a three-year guy on this team right now so, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a smaller group. It's not going to be the six. It's, you know, we'll see if it's even the four that it was last year. Four, it might be four. Bielema and those guys, they, they have enough plugs that maybe they can get. And there's some talent there with Seth Coleman as one. And I don't know. I, I just don't think it's – we could try to look deep into the list. I don't think we yeah. need to. Right? I think the guys are who they are. And I, I don't think we're far off on, on the names we've mentioned. Yeah, this would be more like a 2022 draft class where you had – guys go day three right your three guys go day three that year kendrick green nate hobbs well no that'd be um vidarian low doug Doug kramer yeah um that kind of group then one more am i missing uh but it'd be that kind of group rather than first round picks second round picks like we've we've had the last couple years mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and so are we i'm tori deal and i'm anisa ferreira the wait is over guys all stars four is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts all right joey number four Atlanta women's basketball 13 and 13 overall you do a great job covering them seven and nine in the big 10 why have they struggled to follow up last season I think the, the injuries, Makaira Cook missing time early didn't do them any favors. And it took her a while. Like, to be honest, it took her a while to really find that form. They haven't shot the ball. Like, I think we probably overestimated the shooting ability after what they did last year. Like, this is still – I still especially think there's shooters. Especially to start the seat. Weren't they like 42% through the first, like, 12 games? And then Big yeah. Ten play kind of dropped off a little bit, right? Yeah, and I look, I think there's still good shooters on this team. I'm not saying this team's filled with bad shooters, but I think we probably have to look less at last year as like a, whoa, they really, really shot it very well. The defense had been inconsistent uh, for, for the better part of the year. That really tightened up after the Michigan game. Then they had to find their offense, right? So it, they'd never put it together at the right time. I think trying to figure out – I like that they what they've unlocked with Hobby and Bostic as a pairing, but that took a while to get there. So I just, 
the schedule's been harder too. We have to acknowledge that. And that's kind of the thing right now that's hurting Illinois is they need wins. Yep. Like I, I don't, I think we can pretty much cool down on any NCAA tournament talk at this point, barring a, an insane run in Minneapolis at the big 10 tournament and winning the next two games at Michigan state tonight. And then Sunday against Nebraska. But yeah, it just seems like they haven't put the whole picture together this year. There've been flashes of, of good play, but it's just not very consistent. Yeah, they had a much tougher non-conference schedule, so they don't have the 20 wins like they had last year. But it's it's those close losses. Like you and I were sitting at a restaurant, watching them lose by one point to Arkansas, watching our stat tracker. Uh, and, and that just felt like a crusher of a loss. Missouri lost by three at home. That felt like a crusher of a loss. And then you play Indiana well and you lose by six uh, on the road. Then you come home and lose to Wisconsin. Two worst losses season yeah, by, by a wide margin. Just, just a terrible loss for them. Uh, and at Purdue, you force it into overtime and you're not able to, to pull it out. So, listen, it's weird to say, but I feel like if these two teams played each other, last year's team and this year's team, this year's team's a better roster. This year's team, I think, can beat last year's team, but last year's team shot well and they got some big wins, including that one over Iowa that probably eventually just got them into the NCAA tournament on that one huge win for them. So uh, I still feel like we've seen this team play like it's capable of, like we thought they would be. I didn't expect this to be a top 25 team this year, to be honest with you, but I thought they could be a tournament team, uh, and, and they just didn't win enough of those close games or opportunities to do it. But I, I, I'm still very bullish on Shauna Green because uh, of the talent she's brought in, the competitiveness. The fact that we're like disappointed in a 13-13, and 7-9 Big Ten start, like that tells you – the, she's changed expectations in two years. Yeah, 100%. I think this, the arrow is still pointing up. All, all these guys, save for Jada Peebles, who's out with an injury, and Camille Hobby have the opportunity to return next season. Then you add in a Haven Smith and the Barry Wallace. Barry Wallace, a five-star McDonald's All-American. Like You like the path of where this is going, but some of those close losses, are gonna they're going to sting, and they're going to haunt them a little bit this year because it, it just doesn't – WNIT still feels – very much on the table. Be good to host some of those if they get that opportunity. I think they would certainly take the opportunity to play in oh, that, yeah. that bracket. I don't think there should be any question about that. You still got to finish five hundred or better for that, though, right? Like, so they got to they got to win a couple games here. Yeah, they do. So it's I understand, right, that people would would be disappointed in this because we thought the the expectations had been raised in year one, and they have, which is why there's disappointment. But I still think long term this program. They've got player Barry Wallace coming in. I think you and I both agree Gretchen Dolan's going to score a ton of points at Illinois. Yeah. She's going to score so many points. Uh, she, she's, she looks really good, getting really valuable time, meaningful time as a freshman in place of Peebles. And the fact that, those, you, those get, pieces there. The fact that you get one more year of kind of your big four. four. I, I, yeah, I would say with Makaira Cook, you got to find her replacement at some point. Genesis Bryant, we know, can get really hot from three. Kendall Bostic has just been awesome. Uh, she, she's been awesome. You get her potentially for another year. And Dahlia McKenzie's really turned it on the last month. Uh, and, and I've just seen kind of a – I was compared to kind of the, the female Ravante Rice, just the way she plays. Um, and she's, she's really, when she's tough and aggressive, uh, this team can hit another gear. So uh, the fact that you got those players coming back makes you feel better too. Yeah, 100%. And obviously, you guys, for us as reporters, still got to dot the I's, cross the T's yes. to make sure that's still the plan. That was the plan it sounded like last year and – at Notre Dame, that was a year ago. So I haven't really got any sense 
otherwise um, but it's just our job to, to double check and triple check those to make sure that's right all right number five joey illinois women's track won the big 10 championship for the first time in a decade it's just the second year under petros cuperano the uh second year um director of track for illinois can we call cuperano a home run hire already no well, it looks like it it looks like it. that program the, the men's track and field programs they were so treading water is probably a pretty generous way to put what what that program was when he took over. Kind of drowning. They were, <laughs> yeah, they were in, in dire in dire straits there. He comes in. I want to go through quickly how they won this because it's a little bit of money ball mixed with you still got some pretty good talent there. They they win the high jump, so that's ten points. I'm not going to go through the whole nine yards, but they end up in the high jump getting seventeen points from three competitors. Like that's a big deal, and, and you start. Uh, I'm saying this for a reason. Stay with me for a second. The 200 meter dash, you get 18. What math sucks? Uh, 23 points from the 200 meter dash through three competitors. Triple jump, you go get 10 points. Like when he got hired, he had talked about what he had done at Georgia was you load up on the field events and he hired a staff really, really qualified in field events. And you just swim in those points. I, I mean, you you win first place, you get ten, and you try to stack a second, a third, you know, however many points you can just add those all on there. And then, like that's what propels you up those standings. Even if you don't have an elite sprinter who, who can win the one hundred and two hundred, or which is the have flashy which distance is the, runner, yeah, it's a collection of all of these points. And guess what? Here's the thing: like when you hang a banner, right? No one says only won two running events. Like that, that's not brought up. It's hey, you won the indoor national championship, Big Ten, right? Yeah. Is that what it was? Big Ten, yeah, indoor. You, you won the Big Ten indoor championship. Like that's real. It doesn't matter how it happened. So like that's that's a sound approach to go in there and stack points in, in some of those field events that you believe you can develop. He's recruited very very well. It looks like you you look at some of these names. They were not around before him. And they've come in. They've scored a lot of points. There are some holdovers, right? And you notice you notice a lot of foreign names. And he has, but from Estonia, I believe he has so many connections uh, in Europe that they've had so many of these uh, overseas transfers come in and make immediate impact. So those connections are, are really paying off for him. Yeah, they are. So we'll see. Obviously, still got to get into the outdoor season when when that comes around. It feels like we're talking track. It feels like it's closer than what it is. Still some. Some indoor stuff, but it's coming around here. Um, the first year was, was a rebuilding, right? Seeing who you got, waiting for your guys to come in, your recruits to come in. I mean, now they're starting to, to stack some real talent there, and you're seeing that pay off. Just a what a really, really, really remarkable, strong turnaround for this program. Yeah, scored 104 points at the indoor championships. The women did 17 p- points ahead of Penn State's their first indoor championship since 2013. Joey, uh, and here's what's amazing. They didn't finish higher than ninth as a team in the 11 years since then. Uh, and then the men finished seventh place, their highest finish since 2015. Uh, Aiden, we met, won the heptathlon. So uh, the reason there's a home run higher is because we're talking about track on this. I don't know how many people are actually interested, but like when you have success, you deserve to be talked about. And the money ball approach, the overseas connection, uh, certainly is building up some buzz for, for Illini Trek. So kudos to Josh Whitman for making a, a big hire, a guy uh, who won big at, at Georgia. Um, so, hey, we're talking about him. That's, that's a huge kudos to them. Last one, Joey. NCAA is discussing an early, early signing period uh, for, for football, for college football, potentially in late June. What are your thoughts on that? 
there's a lot of commitments by late June, right? And it probably would free up those coaches in that December, fly around the country, see all your commits type of, hey, you're still good, right? We're still good. You know, everything's still still golden here to sign um, in, in that December signing period. It makes sense. Like these, these processes happen a lot earlier. You, you look at guys like Brandon Hanson, Joey Oakley, Caden Fagan, Aiden Lawford, you go down the list of guys who are committed forever. Yeah. Right. It felt like they were, um, you know, Carson Boyd, Griffin or so is, are, are going to be guys in that conversation. So I do like it. It would make sense. It would free that, that schedule up a little bit down the line in the month of December where it's portal season and bowl season for some of these teams. So I, I get that. Now, a devil's advocate on, on the other side of that, some of the like your really good wins, like your, your better wins, I should say, your Malik Elzies, your Colin Dixons, you wouldn't have loved that very much. Now, a coaching change could have probably, correct, uh, obviously would have in, in this case of Colin Dixon, but those like, hey, we're still going to keep pushing as long as you'll let us keep pushing. Like that gets a little harder if they've signed. And you know what? There's like a. It's the same reason Brett Bielma wants to sign everyone in December and not wait till February. Like if you're on board, you're on board. And yeah, like maybe some of those late flips fall apart there. Here's my thing. Um, we do this with basketball. So I don't understand why we wouldn't do it with, with football. Like basketball, you can sign in November, you can sign in April. Like, so I, I'm all for this early. Like most of these kids are committed after these official visits in June. If they want to sign, they can sign. You don't have to. Um, obviously they're going to be pressured to by people, but you don't have to sign. I would just get rid of the December period and just go with June and February then. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't think you need to have another December period if you're going to do a June one because, hey, those kids should probably be committed in, in, in early February anyway. Um, so I would just go with that because then you can just focus on the portal from November through December, and then you can focus on high school kids um, you know, after January. So I, I think – this makes a lot of sense. I know some people are saying, well, what if the coach gets fired? We do that with basketball. They're out of their national letter of intent. It's, it's, it's that easy. Uh, so obviously everything comes, any change comes with some downsides, upsides. But with where the calendar is right now, this is the time for high school football recruiting. Like high school football recruiting happens now in the summer. It used to happen in November and December. That is portal season. Portal takes precedence over all of that. So if you are a high school kid, I would want to lock up my spot in the summer and get that scholarship in writing because we have seen like some scholarships aren't there in December. If you can commit in June, I would want to lock up that spot in the summer. So I, in a way I do think it can be good for a high school kid to make sure they have that spot because uh, by by December, it might not be there if they can go get somebody who can help them right away, especially if a coach is, is under the gun here. So uh, I think it makes sense. I'd take out the December period, just have a June and February period. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I also think we have to acknowledge like, the portal, the the huge portal change and how much that's changed has, has elevated or moved the high school recruiting period in the summer. But we saw this really starting to happen, Jeremy, when things opened back up after COVID and there were no official visits. It's that June month, that first, was that June of 2022? Is that right? June. I think that's right. 2021 yes. class would have been a, a no-visit class. And then June of 2022, if I'm not mistaken. Well, June of 2021, because that, that would be the Leary White Knack class. It was a pandemic class, but they were able to take official visits by June. So that was that's the start right. of That's it. right. So June of 2021. Mm-hmm. But after, as soon as that reopened, June became the month. Yeah. And, and then the portal, obviously, has really solidified that a lot more. But, you know, yeah, that the summer months are, are the heaviest recruiting months. We know, really, June. 
June is the heaviest recruiting month. So it would make sense when if you're, if you're committed, you're locked in, you want to keep your spot. You want to, if you're a coach, you want to keep these guys from getting calls from, from everyone else. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, again, the flip side of that is if you miss on someone before, and they sign in June, like you've got to wait that out. There's no yeah. hope you can flip them by December, but for every time that works for you, it probably saves you with another prospect that you really like at the risk of flipping. So it's a give and take there. It it would make sense. Like something has got to change because that November through January period is just like, I, look, I get it. Like they make a lot of money. Coaches make a lot of money. There's very few people who have sympathy for the hour requirements to, to be a college football coach because they're paid handsomely for that. But man, that November through this January stretch is a lot. It is just truly, frankly, a lot for, for coaches to have to wear. And if you can ease that up, and, and if you're a fan and you like to see your team go heavy in the portal, like this gives you more time to go all resources in on that in, in terms of manpower. So I get it. And listen, I, I, I do think it can be a positive for kids, like I was talking about. Like I, yes, I think if you yes. can lock up that spot. Uh, and then I think I do think of a guy like A.J. Dennis, I still think he would have been available because Michigan State fires their coach. He's freed of his NIL or NLI from the summer, and then he can go take official visits in, in November and December, and he can sign in February. So uh, I still think it works out um, that just like basketball. So makes sense to me. All right, Joey, before I let you go, any final thoughts? You got any thoughts on anything going on? Keith Randolph, second run, 5-2-0. 6 is his best. You know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what that ends up playing for him. 40s aren't the end-all, be-all. It's just been fun to cover the combine, man, and work on a little bit of spring football thoughts. And basketball is very, very fun to cover right now. I understand. I took the night off last night. Thank you for that. I do understand some defensive concerns were uh, but, but, solidified. But, boy, that offense, Joey. <laughs> It was really, yeah, I, I would, obviously I watched the game. I can't, you know, I can't check out that far. Um, the offense looked really, really good, but it's been nice to jump back into football mode. Yep. A little bit here, pro day coming up at Illinois. We'll, we'll have good content from that. We'll keep content coming from Indianapolis. I'll go back over there Friday before Derek and I head up to Madison on Saturday. So it's, it's kind of crossover go. season, man, for, for everything. It doesn't feel like you should be saying that in early March, but spring ball's around the corner. NCAA tournament around the corner. It's fun. No days off. No days off. Uh, where are we going for the NCAA tournament? What's your guess? My guess or my preference? Because my guess is I don't know. People make way more money than I do to figure that out. They're going uh, to send us. A, they're going to send us a Spokane. I guarantee it. <laughs> All right. Well, make it the most not, expensive as possible. That's what. Well, that's yeah. They. I had a wonderful time in Pittsburgh. I, loved Pittsburgh. I very much enjoyed that city. I walked, we collectively walked across that walking bridge. Yeah, we got to put your uh, new. Generously say every night. Got to put your watch to, to, to the use. Yeah, dude. You got a new, you got a new step just, collar? If I just get to say anything here, I did set the fitness thing up, which is so embarrassing for somebody who just does not prioritize it at all. But the early. You getting your 10,000 like, steps in? No, God, no. No, 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 no. I did have, I'm not going to go into that. I had to really move fast yesterday because in waiting for Keith Randolph, I risked going to get my laptop from the media workroom, which is quite a ways away. And my dog's like, my, I was burning. I was really walking. Everyone's kind of leisurely got their coffee and I'm long striding all the way through. But anyway, this, the early parts of these Apple watches, it's like, hey, just stand up. And then you do it. They're like, yeah, good job. Look at you go. And then, like, we're in the car. It's like, you need to stand up. Like, nah, man. We had a pretty good thing going early. <laughs> like, let's just keep the, 
the expectations low there. But yeah, we can test that out in Pittsburgh. I, I do hope it's Pittsburgh. I know that's not the most popular take among our beat who wants to go see different things. I don't know that Charlotte is really as like that. I'd might like to be go there. That, that might be a long shot just because it could be a three seed reason. potentially. Yeah, there's a reason that was explained to me. I can't remember, but it didn't sound like that was one. I, I don't care to go to Brooklyn. It's just a lot. It's a lot. A lot of people. We'd make the most of it, right? It'd be cool for Illinois to go play NCAA tournament there. Our, our bar tab would be a little bit more expensive there. Yeah, yours would. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm for Pittsburgh. I would take Indy. Like, that's a bad call because we all want to travel and go see stuff. I know Indy. Omaha? I've had a good time there. Would you take Omaha over Indy? We could. Uh, no, I would go Indy. Uh, but I would go to Omaha so just so we can go to Lincoln, go to Haymarket District, <laughs> take an hour trip, take a day trip. You we would need our cert one. Need someone to drive. Work the WCIA schedule out for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be fun. Let's do it. I would take the, the Haymarket District, man. When is the net? Football doesn't play there. Yeah, they this. play there this this year. They do. Yeah, we we I already got I already booked a hotel for the Haymarket District, man. I'm all excited. This up. is. People don't even care at this point. This is a sneaky good football for, like, to go see cool oh, yeah. stuff, do cool stuff. This is a sneaky good football schedule. Uh, Oregon. I mean, Rutgers, we're probably not going to the city. Probably just a, a Jersey trip. But uh, And then we – Oregon's going to be fun. Penn State, road trip. Yeah. yeah, that – Penn State is brutal because there's just no good way to get there. No. No, and, and by the time you go to Chicago and fly to Pittsburgh, like, you could be halfway there. Yeah. And, and you may as well just. Yeah, we'll just probably drive that one. You know, I've done it before. My favorite story of being at Illini Inquirer when I, I drove out to the nine overtime game. And he said, while you're out there, do you want to see Donovan Leary play? And you wrote you know, a great story. I, I, it was, we just needed to decide, like, what while you're out there, what does that mean? Like, while you are within three hours out of your way to That's go correct. to New Jersey. I did. It was cool driving over Philadelphia at night, but um, that was a long trip. Fun trip. I saw Sincere Harris yep. in Akron that trip. It'll be a fun season, man. Football season's got some good scheduling. Lincoln's top-notch. Seriously, for anyone listening who hasn't quit on our ramblings, if you're going to – like, if there's an away game you're kind of trying to look for – I would recommend that cool stadium. The, that Haymarket district is really, really fun around there. Very walkable yeah. at a good time. Uh, this year, like I'm, I'm just thinking of the Big Ten teams: Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin would be some of my top ones to go see. Yeah, I would agree with that. I enjoy. I, I enjoy. All I like Minneapolis. We, we have a good time. I'm excited to get there. And I don't even know. Two weeks is that what it is? Who yeah. could say? Joey Wagner, thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Up next, Bracketology Talk, Alana Hoops Talk, Brad Evans, thegamingjuice.com. All right, it's late February recording this on a leap day, uh, which comes around once every four years. So not quite March, but basically March. It's Brad Evans, now of thegamingjuice.com, you know, for the bracket big board. Muhammad native now, uh, champagne guy, Illinois guy. Uh, and Brad, it's it's great to catch up with you because I know it's it's March. It's that time of year. So how are you, man? Oh, man, uh, full throttle right now. I am extraordinarily busy. I haven't had a glass of tequila, which I call the love juice, uh, it seems like uh, in quite some time because I- I've just been, you know, ahead on uh, down and-, and figures on the keyboard or writing and typing articles that are coming to mind uh, every single day. I was telling you right before the show, like I'm in the shower. I'm scrubbing, you know, what little hair I have. I have none. 
hair is optional on the podcast today. Uh, right, that is correct. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll just have like this stroke of brilliance. I'm like, oh, I got an idea for a column. And, you know, I'll jump out of the shower, uh, put my skivvies on and bang out 500 words. That's where I'm at right now. So the creative juices are flowing. I'm loving it. March is nearly here and it's the best month on the calendar bar none every year. Well, Brad, now people can find you in one spot. Thegamingjuice.com just launched that website. That's where you can find the bracket big board. Uh, all his betting advice, all is up there. Brad, what, what can people find at The Gaming Juice? Yeah, thegamingjuice.com, A, it's free. Uh, so go sign up for a membership today. It won't cost you a single dime. Uh, I'm hosting some chats there. Uh, we're going to have a couple more upcoming around the NCAA tournament and the conference tournament season. So if you want to pick my brain, whether it's uh, about Illinois basketball, you know, over or under on their seed line, uh, what uh, is the fearless forecast for the ILL uh, to march on the NCAA tournament or the Big Ten tournament or any other team, uh, come to Gaming Juice. It's all about uh, interactivity. It's all about experiences, and it's all about accessibility. Uh, I'm not, you know, thankfully going to be the only voice. Uh, my buddy Nate Lundy is going to be tossing out some hockey betting content. Uh, and I got a couple other guys uh, behind the scenes at Live Line up at Stadium Sports in Chicago also going to write some hockey pieces. So if you like, uh, you know, dropping the puck and trying to make some bucks, come to jaming, uh, GamingJuice.com where the written word is not dead it is alive and well so as everybody else it seems like in the marketplace is laying off writers uh, i have found my niche and again uh, i am back at doing what i love and that is writing the written word and doing it uh, often in bombastic and ridiculous <laughs> form so it may be a joke or two embedded in every single betting piece or bracketology piece i'm cranking out there at thegamingjuice.com. You got a personality there, Brad. Uh, so, so, right. Uh, it's a new era, though, Brad. Uh, we bring you on, we used to, to discuss, can Illinois make the tournament? What do they have to do <laughs> to even get on the bubble? Uh, but now we're talking about how high can their seeding go. So uh, if the tournament started today, Illinois at 21-7, and 12-5 in the Big Ten, 4-5 and five in quad one games, what do you make of their resume? Yeah, so looking at the surface and all the nitty-gritty, that's really important. And every single member of the selection committee room is going to see as those, uh, those team sheets are coming across and sliding on their laptops. Uh, I think Illinois is a, a true blue uh, number four seed. And I have them right now as the second lowest number four seed. So uh, check in the bracket big board. Uh, who would be the highest uh, or second highest number 13 seed who they would match up with in round one? Well, I've got... SoCon rep Samford as that uh, specific team. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of moving and shaking. Conference tournaments got to get underway and uh, teams got to punch their auto bids. Uh, but Illinois uh, could obviously bolster the resume as well and jump up a line or maybe even two. I, You know, one seed, it, it ain't going to happen. So get that out of your head. Uh, that is an absolute pipe dream, Illini Nation. It's not going to occur even if Illinois wins out. Uh, but, you know, a number two seed is still fathomable. Uh, I think a number three seed, very achievable as well. Uh, you know, you look at the four and five quarter one record, uh, that needs some work there. But there are some additional opportunities here down the stretch. In fact, three quarter one opportunities at Wisconsin, Purdue, and of course, uh, finishing with the Iowa Hawkeyes, who've come on strong here down the stretch, really bolster their overall net resume. Uh, and then you look at the fact that Illinois has no longer a bad loss on the resume because Maryland's done enough to not qualify as that Q3. Of course, they suffered, the ILL did, inside State Farm Center, um, you know, a few weeks ago. So 
Illinois very healthy right now. Very robust, I would say, in terms of their overall profile. But as of now, as of today, a strong number four seed. But, of course, sky's the limit. Just not uh, a limit of a number one seed in the end. Well, Brad, you kind of mentioned the range of outcomes from a two, potentially, you can discuss where, where the lowest they could possibly be if they lost out the last four games. But three quad one opportunities left in the Big Ten slate and yep. the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and I kind of look at this schedule, and they've won nine of 12. The three losses are all in, like, heartbreaking fashion. Northwestern in overtime. Penn State, obviously, that collapse. Um, and Michigan State with that collapse late. Uh, so how much can they improve their resume, or how much can – they fall here uh, on the seed lines. Yeah, again, I, I think the ceiling for Illinois is a number two seed in a perfect world scenario where they break out the brooms and they sweep. Uh, so they get those you know, three key quarter one victories at Wisconsin, Purdue, and at Iowa. And then really all they got to do is make the Big Ten tournament final because uh, I always subscribe to belief uh, that once that finalist said it weighs nothing in the selection committee room, they've already made their decisions uh, where teams are going to land on the bracket line. So it may just have a, a slight sway in the geographic region a team may land. It may, you know, give that, uh, uh, you know, upside to the team that actually, you know, uh, punches the ticket with the auto berth there at the Big Ten tournament. And those that uh, earn the silver medal uh, may go elsewhere. But outside of that, I really don't think it really influences uh, what the committee is looking at seed-wise. Now, the downside for Illinois, uh, looking you know, the antithesis, if they lost out, so they lost against the Badgers, they lost against the Boilers, uh, they uh, get the L against the hated Hawkeyes, and they get ousted in the opening round of the Big Ten tournament, at least in their you know matchup in their rounds, uh, I think you would see Illinois probably bottom out at like a low-end six, maybe even a high-end seven. So, not really ideal, but uh, as you know, it depends on entirely on draw. What does the path look like? Are we going to have another scenario where Illinois is a top seeded? Oh, look, it's Loyola Chicago. <laughs> oh, that's the worst possible second round opponent you could face. And it was. And we all uh, are still haunted by that nightmare that occurred a few years ago with that Iowa and Kofi team. So, again, it's, it's all about path. Uh, don't really be married completely to the seed that is next to the team name. Look at the road to Glendale. That, to me, is bar none the most important. So, Brad, what do you make of the profile of this team, which is yeah. elite offense, um, number one during the last month, number one since, I believe, December 20th for this team. Uh, <laughs> but defensively, the last month, 264 in the country. They fell to the 94th, I believe, after last night, allowing 97 points to Minnesota. What kind of... Do we have any history of what these teams kind of do in the tournament? What do you make of this profile? Yeah, it's rare uh, that a team of this kind of profile makes a very deep run the tournament. It's not un, you know, unfounded. It's not uh, like it's ever happened before that a team with that kind of defensive standing uh, can't make the Final Four. We've seen it happen a couple of times here in the re recent years, the last 10 to 20 years. We've had a couple of teams uh, ranked outside the top 75 and adjusted defensive efficiency on the season and blaze a trail of the Final Four. So, Illinois could get, uh, you know, piping hot, stinking hot over a six-game stretch. We know they're entirely capable. You mentioned it. I'll give you the, the data again for the audience out there, and I pulled this from Bar Torvik. Over the last uh, seven games, so since February 1st, Illinois, you mentioned it, 
it goes even deeper than that uh, as far back it goes. Number one in offensive efficiency, they're adding an absurd 1.336 points per possession. I mean, we saw last night it was north of 1.60 and gets Minnesota. Minnesota was off the charts offensively. They had a, one of their highest and not the highest points per possession mark in the Kim Palm era for that respected school. And, you know, as a result, Illinois uh, now number 269 and adjusted defense efficiency over the last seven days, according to Torvik, giving up 1.106 points for possession. Uh, that's uncomfortable. That's unsightly. Uh, number 294 gets worse and affect a few goal percentage defense. So can they go out and outscore their opponents? Hell yeah, they can. They are entirely capable of doing that. And as I've said before, this is the best constructed team that Brad Underwood has ever had in his tenure uh, to win multi multiple tournament games. Uh, because of Coleman Hawkins, he could play every single position on the floor. He is a matchup nightmare. Marcus the Mass and that booty ball and that fadeaway like old man game that he has. Uh, Sky-high basketball IQ. Uh, they're hitting threes with uh, regularity. Terrence Shannon is back at that All-American level. I mean, they have the offensive goods to beat anybody in the nation. I just am concerned if they have a mediocre or a cool shooting day or night, uh, they're going to get ousted because they're frankly not ding up. So why why would you think this team over 21 has a, be has a better chance to win multiple games? Well, I, I think this team over the 21 squad is, uh, I like the matchup problems that they present across the board. Yeah. And, you know, that 21 team, not to really discount what they did, obviously they have matchup problems in their own right. Uh, but you have uh, so much versatility, so much flexibility on this roster, and it really begins and ends with Coleman Hawkins. Yeah. You know, a guy at six foot ten who is listed as, I guess, a five, but he can play a little point. Uh, he could step out and act like a shooting guard. He could play some of the wing positions, the power forward position. Uh, Quincy Guerrier is a guy that can beat you inside and outside. Ultraversal Damask has found his range again. And again, that back down ability, whether calling his own number or when the double teams come, he, he could find the open man for an easy kiss off the glass. Uh, I mean, they just have so many weapons that could play a variety of positions that they're hard to scout. They're hard to game plan. They're hard schematically to prepare for. So I think this Illinois team, because of that uh, depth of versatility, and well-roundedness and beat you in variable ways, they're going to be an extraordinarily tough out in the NCAA tournament. So, Brad, you mentioned it's all about matchup. We, we know that uh, after watching the last several years under Brad Underwood, just hasn't gotten a favor there. So if you're an Illinois fan, you're watching on Selection Sunday. I know we're a long way off. But if you're a four or five seed or a three seed or a six seed or whatever it is, are there certain matchups you'd welcome, whether it's first or second round, or certain ones that would kind of make you shiver? Yeah, I think the one matchup uh, that I would fear if I'm a, an Illinois fan, uh, based on you know team style, is somebody that could really hold you in the half court and just play little rock'em, sock'em robots and pow, 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 you know, bludgeoning in the mouth uh, by slowing down the tempo and ratcheting uh, up the defense and really clamping down. And, you know, a team that can slow down Illinois could frustrate them because they align at their best and kind of that flying Illini 89 style uh, that they've emulated at times this year. When they get up and down the floor, they're flying in transition, uh, whether it's Shannon just uh, brutalizing people downhill uh, and getting those kisses off the glass in the end ones, uh, or maybe a little kick-out game when he is double-teamed and he's got a man open on the wing. 
uh, you know, whether it's a Goody, uh, whether it's Justin Harmon or Coleman Hawkins, and they can bury that uh, coffin corner three. Uh, you know, that's where Illinois is uh, really revving its engine. That's where Illinois is at its best. So, uh, you know, a team that lives in the half court, you know, a team like Iowa State, uh, probably going to be on the 2-3 line. You don't want to see in Illinois' half of the region. Uh, I'll say that much right now. Even a team like Dayton uh, is another one that plays a very slow, calculated, methodical style of play. They're like 330 and just a tempo on the season. Outstanding defensively. Uh, they may not have played the caliber of opponents that Illinois has in terms of their overall strength of schedule, uh, but, you know, they've not faced a, a number of pushovers either, the three and four and quarter ones. That's a team that could ultimately frustrate Illinois. Washington State is another one that immediately comes to mind, and, man, they've been blazing hot here down the home stretch. Uh, and a team that Arizona saw recently in their own house uh, that was slowed down to a certain extent and as a result, uh, they were taken out uh, by the Cougs. So uh, those are just some examples, some teams that are out there that Illinois would not match up well against. But uh, the likes of, say, Kentucky, Auburn, a BYU, um, you know, some of those teams, Illinois, if they're in the region, maybe in a 4-5 or five matchup, uh, they, uh, I mean, it might be like a first of 115 scenario yeah. in that case. And uh, I would certainly... Uh, belly up the bar and watch that game. And I think all of America would love that. And gamblers, too, would say over, over, and over again because the points would be plentiful. Well, Brad, uh, zooming out here on the, on the Big Ten, uh, not a lot of strength. At, at the top of the Big Ten, now there's a lot of, you know, no game's really easy outside of maybe Michigan right now in the Big Ten, but <laughs> only two top five seeds. Wisconsin's fallen. You have them on the sixth line right now. How many bids for this league? Is is Michigan State in trouble? Any chance for Iowa to be on the bubble here? It, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of drama for the Big Ten coming down the stretch. Yeah, and I know Mike DeCorsi, and, and maybe it's just more for, for television, you know, the announcers to say, oh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, they're the next four out. They're right there on the bubble. They're really not. Uh, like, they have some, you know, some opportunities down the stretch, including against the Orange and Blue, obviously to, to bolster the overall resume. Uh, perfect world for them. You know, they got to win out and probably win a couple of games, the Big Ten tournament, to really force the conversation in the selection committee room on March 17th to say, hey, uh, we've done enough uh, to at least uh, need to be weighed for an at-large berth. But uh, I think the Big Ten is probably going to get six teams. Uh, Purdue, obviously. Illinois, obviously. Northwestern very much in. Likely as an eight or nine seed, maybe a little bit higher. Wisconsin, though, they're skidding and sliding at the most inopportune time. I uh, got them on the six seed line, as you mentioned. Nebraska, that's a team you don't want to face right now Agreed. in the in-state tournament at all because they're playing extraordinary defense uh, with the top defensive teams in the nation. And whether you're looking at Kempop or Torvik, Haslametrics, shot quality, it doesn't matter what uh, geeky numbers that you're crunching. They have been dynamite and elite shutting people down. And I'm all about Tominaga time. That guy is a ton of fun to watch. And when he catches fire, look out. Uh, they can really bring the noise offensively. Michigan State is still in. Uh, I know my buddies in the field of 68 brought it up uh, the other day. Oh, is Michigan State on the bubble? No, they're not on the bubble. The Spartans, have you seen the bubble? There are a lot of sickly and unsightly teams with all kinds of warts and ills on that resume. Uh, the Sparty party is still, you know, tapping the keg and still doing stands on that keg. Uh, they're going to be in probably anywhere in that 8 to 10 seed range. So, Ultimately, you're going to have to get a bid stealer in the Big Ten tournament in Minneapolis 
And, and I will say this again, I'm a gambling man. You know that Werner. If I am wanting to clutch a longer odds ticket of a team to win the big tournament, uh, big 10 tournament and steal that bid, it's none other than the host school and Minnesota golden Gophers. Well, no, I had a tough time dispensing last night when they bring their A game offensive. When we saw yeah. it, uh, they would beat, you know, probably 90% of the teams in the country. Illinois just had one of those out of body, out of their mind shooting nights historically. But that team is playing elite basketball uh, by their very low standard. Dawson Garcia is a matchup problem. Chrissy's draining outside shots. Uh, I know, uh, you know, they were hideous and disgusting in Nebraska on the road uh, about a week ago. But if they can galvanize, they can feed off that home crowd energy. That's a team that I could see uh, getting a bid and lifting it and, you know, bouncing a team that is sitting squarely on the bubble. He hasn't even had the best year compared to last year, but uh, I'm more excited to see Tominaga in an NCAA tournament than probably any player since Andres <laughs> Feliz should have been in the tournament. Um, yeah. So, Brad, just give me a, a few guys, a few teams you're most excited to see in the tournament besides your Illini, of course. Yeah, and look, Tennessee is a team right now, and let's uh, you know tie it all back to the betting markets because I know there are probably a lot of, lot of listeners and Illini um, uh, inquire that are saying, hey, uh, you know, I like to, to roll the dice. Uh, I like to have a little some of that uh, betting action. I think the Tennessee Volunteers is very much in the number one seed conversation right now. And I grabbed them earlier this week at plus 230. Yeah, get seduced by that <laughs> juice. Uh, you know, if you're able to find that line, all the books uh, at tape time for this pod, they've already pulled the number one seed odds down, but they're bound to resurface here in the next like 24 hours or so. And I'm really curious to see what that number is down to after that mammoth win uh, that they logged, uh, you know, last night. Uh, and a team that um, is shaping up, even though they're, you know, just five and five and quarter one opportunities, uh, getting another one last night against Auburn. Uh, they've got an incredible murderer's row upcoming. Uh, next three at Alabama, at South Carolina, and Kentucky. Quarter one, quarter one, quarter one. Yeah. So let's say they sweep those and uh, they win, I don't know, two or three games in the SEC tournament or make the final and Arizona stubs its toe. Uh, you're looking at Tennessee leapfrogging North Carolina, leapfrogging the Wildcats and find themselves in as that last number one seed and with Dalton Connect playing at such an extraordinary outstanding just scintillating level uh it's hard to fade that team because of D up uh Illinois fans know this uh and with our trip that uh didn't end so well uh there in Knoxville uh they can play a variety of paces um you know they really clamp down and they just get buckets and, and connected every time it leaves his hand I think it's going through the cylinder so uh long story short Jeremy I, I think I will have Tennessee uh, hoisting the hardware mm -hmm. on a couple of my brackets this year. They have all the goods to beat a UConn, beat a Purdue, match up against a Houston in a neutral court environment. Yeah, and they have one – they got veterans, Brad, they got size, and they got one special player. Uh, I was really impressed when <laughs> I saw them in person. Um, uh, two, two last things before I let you go, Brad. What do you make sure. of the discussion of the Big 12 kind of gaming the net uh, with their terrible non-conference <laughs> schedule. Um, you know, Illinois kind of did this too. They really helped themselves with some 300-level opponents and, and just blowing them out with their net rankings too. 
Yeah, look, uh, you can game the net and uh, game the system. And I think coaches are going to start doing this uh, more often as a result to try to get some of those lopsided victories to balloon their overall profiles. But we, we got to, you know, take all that with a grain of salt because uh, the committee members and the committee chairs have told us the last couple of years and that member replaced the RPI. And the goal of the RPI originally was to be used as a sorting tool. Not my phrase. It was one of the committee chairs that said that like 10 years ago. And that's how they you know, look at it. That's how they weigh that information. I think the net as an isolated form uh, does the same thing, um, you know, the same purpose. It is used as more or less a sorting tool uh, on those team sheets as they're sliding across laptops uh, there in Indianapolis in the selection committee room when they're setting, vetting, and scrubbing the field. Uh, so as an independent or isolated number, it's no big deal. It really is. So, you know, again, don't be married to that number exclusively. You got to look at the full body of work, the overall profile, uh, you know, the quality wins, who'd you played, who'd you beat, strength of schedule, non-conference strength of schedule. Have you won games on the road in true road environments? Because those are weighed a little bit heavier uh, than even some of the neutral court games. So all of those play a factor. But yeah, the Big 12, uh, certainly cooked the books, so to speak, there in non-conference play by bludgeoning the meek to make their resumes look awfully mighty. How do you think the NCAA tournament committee's done here with with this net tool with with what they've had? A uh, pretty good job. Um, you know, look, there's always like a team or two, and that's really about it that we all bitch and moan about. Yeah. Um, you know, after selection Sunday and the pairings and everything else come out. Uh, but for the most part, I, you know, they've stuck to their philosophy, their their guns in terms of what the, the weightiest measurements are, and they really haven't veered from that. So, you know, in my opinion, they, I think they've done an outstanding job. Now, I've always said this, Warner, you know, a lot of those uh, people that are part of the selection committee, they're, they're like ADs or uh, conference chairs or whatever they may be. Are they watching college basketball in November? I'm going to venture out on a very short limb and say, hell no. Yeah. Uh, they're they're more worried about the mighty dollar tied to football, right? Uh, especially the power leagues. So uh, a lot of those members aren't watching basketball. They're catching up to speed over like a probably three, four, five-week period. I would love uh, for the selection committee to open up the doors to people that actually cover the game maybe a Joe Lenardi, a Jerry Palm, an idiot Brad Evans in the room yeah. that's trying to break down everything from a bracketology perspective and let them have a voice in the room as well. So it's a, a nice uh, ambassadorship, if you will, of people that truly love and represent college basketball trying to figure out who should be in and who should be out of the field. Last one for you, Brad. Every time he, every time he this time of year – um, the talk becomes, does the NCAA tournament expand? Charlie Baker, the new president of the NCAA, said he'd be open to it uh, if it's done with care. So this is your baby. What do you make of potential expansion? Yeah, look, uh, I, I I love uh, the child that we have reared uh, in its current form. I'm, I'm a big fan of the first four, those playing games uh, with those you know, four teams. Uh, they're at the high major level and the four teams at the low major level. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to alter. I don't want to disrupt anything. It's fine just the way it is. There are a lot of craptastic teams already on the back end of the field and, you know, sitting with both cheeks firmly planted on the bubble. You want to expand that? Why? Oh, that's right, because you're all about the money grab. It's all about the almighty dollar. 
Uh, look, I understand, um, you know, the maybe the upside of that financially, but the downside is it's got to water down yep. uh, the greatest sports event on the calendar every single damn year. Don't give me it's oh, it's a Super Bowl. Uh, come on, Evans. I want more Travis Kelsey. I want more Patrick Mahomes in my life. I need more, you know, T Swift as well. Now get out of here with that stuff. That's one game. You know, it's a it's a spectacle. Sure, I know. I cover Super Bowls. I've covered eight of them. Uh, and I'm on Radio Row every single year, and I love the NFL like a child, but uh, my favorite son, bar none, is the NCAA tournament. And right now, I, I think it's uh, you know fully baked in its best form. You know, Expanding to 96 teams, for example, uh, would be an absolute death knell to something we love and enjoy. Because I don't think any fans are asking for it. Brad, like no, fans were asking for a college football playoff, right? We've been asking for a college football playoff. Um, I understand why coaches want it. I understand why maybe administrators want it, but the fans don't want it. No, they don't. Uh, but I will say this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm poo pooing the idea in my head, but the gambler in me is like, yeah, more action to bet on <laughs> more product. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, I don't have to just bet on the CBI, the NIT, which I do do. I could bet on like 96 teams in a singular event over like four or five weeks. Oh yeah, take all my money, BetMGM. I'm in. There you go, Brad Evans, thegamingjuice.com. Go check out his bracket big board there and all the gaming content there. Brad, appreciate you. We'll let's catch you up after Selection Sunday, man. Muchas gracias. I'm looking forward to that. Añejo, mi amigo. Great stuff as always from Brad Evans. Hopefully we didn't blow out your ears with his levels on that one. But always appreciate his insight and the energy that Brad Evans brings. Again, thegamingjuice.com. That's where you can find his bracket big board, which I just starred on my tabs list. So we can have that there for the rest of March. Appreciate everybody for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube as well. Hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notifications bell. Appreciate all of you. And we've got plenty more coming up at IlliniInquire.com. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Choir podcast. Bye, everybody.